0: Hello, and welcome back to the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. This show exists to provide representation for women of color in the environmental space, to highlight their stories, and to educate the masses about how to be more eco-friendly every day. From gardening to thrifting, minimalism to veganism, sustainable business owners to influencers, environmentalists to activists, we are all on a journey to taking better care of our bodies and our planet. I'm your host, Ariel Green. I didn't say it last week, but happy Women's History Month. I am so grateful to have this community of such amazing women of color who are all making history. So grateful for everybody, all of our listeners and all of our Friends of the show, and you know, just this whole community is amazing. So, thank you for being here and thank you for sharing your stories and listening and just, you know, engaging and being a part of the community in general. Let's talk a bit of current events before we get into this episode. This episode is sponsored by REN, where you can calculate your carbon footprint, then offset it by funding climate positive projects. More about Ren later. So a couple of weeks ago on February 28th, the IPCC, which is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, published their report. This report comes out every six or seven years um, and it releases in three groups. So the most recent one came out on February 28th. And this one was assessing the vulnerability of ecosystems and human societies to climate change. And then they also uh, explored some options for adapting to it. So compared to previous reports, this one emphasized more on social justice and the need for urgent action. And then they also are calling for diverse knowledge streams from Indigenous and local communities. I love that they are acknowledging the need for social justice and diversity, because if you remember um, back in November, there was the COP26 conference. Uh, You can refer back to my episodes from that time. But there was a big issue with there being a lack of diversity and a lack of indigenous voices in the climate change conversation. So it's great to see that the IPCC is addressing this issue. As opposed to COP26, which was more of a conference for world leaders to get together and pretend like they cared about climate change, the IPCC report really explores the scientific evidence and it offers solutions on how we can tackle the issues. So some of the solutions that they have suggested is to make urban areas to be more conducive to you know natural vegetation like trees and green walls so, this would help limit how hot the cities are going to be. and then it would also make cities more walkable. They also suggest to use regenerative agricultural practices that would improve biodiversity. For example, there are typically farms that only grow the same things all of the time, and that can deplete the soil of different nutrients because, you know, different plants bring in different nutrients and different bugs even. So that would help to make sure that the soil can be used over and over and it doesn't decrease the soil quality. Because once you decrease soil quality so much, it's hard to get it back. And when you don't have good soil, then you don't have good food. So regenerative agricultural practices are really important with having healthy food. Another adaptation measure that the IPCC suggested is writing the building efficiency standards into laws. So this would help revolutionize urban design and reduce energy costs. And this is something that we kind of talk about in today's episode. We talk about it more from a waste reduction standpoint, but I think the ideas still apply. Whereas when you're planning buildings and developments, you should have the idea of sustainability from the forefront rather than going back and like trying to change things. So by having these laws in place, it would make it easier when we're building new buildings to Have the clean energy in place and, you know, make it as eco friendly as possible from the beginning. So, this report offered more insight into how climate change is affecting different parts of the planet and how it's affecting communities around the world. It wasn't really telling us anything new. But it did give us, you know, more insight onto how we can help to fix things. But at the end of the day, it's up to governments and corporations to do their part to mitigate the damage that they're doing and to put laws into place that will, you know, help reduce the effects of climate change. So some things we can do as Sustainable Brown Girls is to continue holding our governments accountable. We need to be out there voting, protesting, being influencers, speaking to your families, running for office, and just doing everything we can to spread the word so that people are educated and that way they can make better decisions on how they vote and the brands and companies that they support so that, you know, we can make our voices heard with our dollars and, you know, with our votes. We can all do a small or a big part depending on our capacity, but, you know, I think we all have the ability to make a difference in our own way. One way you can make a difference for the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast is by leaving an Apple review. It's super easy to do on any Apple device. Just search for Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. Make sure you're following. Scroll all the way down to the review area and go ahead and leave us a five star review. We actually got a super amazing review recently from Past guest Cola B. Talkin from Black in the Garden podcast. She left the most amazing review, so I'm going to read a portion of it for you. Cola writes An urgent message delivered. I binged several episodes of the podcast after a day full of anxiety. By the time my binge session ended, I felt hopeful and encouraged by Ariel's voice and delivery. I didn't take for granted that she's discussing impending doom in a comforting way, similar to a flight attendant. (laughs) Ariel's vibe is encouraging and you'll feel empowered after tuning in. Her conversations make me feel seen as a Black woman who cares for the Earth and finding ways to make it better. Thank you so much, Cola, for this amazing review. Again, these reviews help other people find the podcast and... Of course we want to continue growing this community of Sustainable Brown Girls and Friends of Sustainable Brown Girls. So please do go leave a review. I really appreciate it. Also, if you have a few dollars to spare, please consider becoming a Sustainable Brown Girl patron on Patreon. You'll get access to podcast episodes before they release and you can submit questions to upcoming guests and submit topic ideas. A link to the Patreon page is in the show notes. And if you're not already, be sure to follow Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram and use the hashtag Sustainable Brown Girl to be featured on the page. And if you don't know, I record video from almost all of our podcast interviews. So if you want to see the full video versions, head over to the Sustainable Brown Girl YouTube page and subscribe. Sometimes our guests will show something to the camera that you obviously can't see if you're just listening to the audio, so it's a lot of fun to be able to see all of the Sustainable Brown Girls live. A link to the video for this episode is in the show notes. If you've been keeping up with the last couple of podcast episodes, then you know that we've started incorporating little pop quizzes into each episode. So each week, I'll recap something that was covered in a past episode. It could be last week's episode or one from two months ago. If you know the answer, simply DM me at Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram, and I'll give you a shout out in stories. All right, so this week's question comes from last week's episode with Jennifer Sandoval of Earth Angel Sets. Jennifer told us about an independent film that she worked on that aimed to have a zero waste production. Can you tell me what the name of that film was or what it was about? If you know the answer, DM me at Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram and I will give you a shout out and stories. All right, now let's get into this episode with today's featured Sustainable Brown Girl, Ushma Pandya co-founder of Think Zero LLC, a consultancy offering waste reduction and diversion services to businesses and homes. Before the term zero waste was trendy, Ushma was raising awareness about consumption and waste with her schoolmates and work colleagues. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ushma.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. So I always like to get the backstory first. So tell us, how did you become interested in sustainability?
1: You know, when you said you were going to ask me that question, it made me pause and think, I don't actually know. Yeah. Um, I've always been interested. I do credit, um, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I do credit the early education I got in um, first and second grade when they talked a lot about actually saving energy. was around the time of the oil crisis. And Mm -hmm. so they talked a lot about, you know, turn off your lights, turn off water, don't, you know, drive as much. There was just a lot of environmental education. And I think that just impacted me. I think it also says something about, you know, teaching kids early in life can have a big influence. And then in high school, I was on the Nature Defense Club, and we got a grant from the EPA to teach Sustainability topics to elementary school, so everything from saving water to what is the water cycle, pollution, littering, recycling. Um, and I really, you know, I really enjoyed teaching that topic, and I learned more um, as we put together that curriculum. So that's yeah, that's you know one aspect of how I kind of got into this idea of really being interested in being good to planet Earth
0: because it's has right. to be good for us, right? Exactly. Yeah, that early childhood education is so important. I remember growing up I would watch um Captain Planet. Did you ever watch that? No. The cartoon? Oh no. Is that yeah. like in America? No. Totally. Oh yeah.
1: Oh okay. Where'd you grow up? I grew up I mean I grew up in New Jersey and okay. Chicago, but I didn't I'm I'm you know, I'm a child of immigrants. So I didn't watch a lot right. of I some of the pop culture
0: kind of goes over my Yeah, (laughs) I totally get that. (laughs) But I think that's awesome that you were able to, in high school, you know, kind of share what you learned with younger kids, you know, so I'm sure you made a great impact on them to be more interested in the environment too. I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So tell me more about your immigrant, um, you know, family, like in, in the, you know, black culture, I'm black American. So, you know, like, all my grandparents and stuff were born here for the most part. And, um, you know, we often say that communities of color have always been sustainable, you know, not necessarily for the planet, but just out of necessity. So how does that, you know, how, how has it been like in an immigrant family?
1: You know, I always, so zero waste or this idea of being really, you know, low consumption, I think has gotten quite trendy in the last I don't know how many years, um, you know, and you see these beautiful pictures on Instagram and my kitchen doesn't look beautiful with all that matchy glass that I I buy. Um, and sometimes I think that makes it feel inaccessible, right? Because that's not really how a lot of people live zero waste. I grew up living zero waste. So my parents are, were born in India. They came here in the sixties. And so it was really important that I kind of continue that cultural tradition moving into, um, my own life. And so I think in the Indian community, there's, um, a wonderful meme. Maybe you see it on social media around Indian people's yogurt containers don't actually have yogurt in them. It's like, (laughs) kind of like, show me, you're telling me you're Desi without being Desi. And, um, the yogurt containers have, um, you know, food because we use everything. We don't go out and buy stuff. We just reuse stuff. Right. And that's like that mentality, especially um, I spent a lot of time growing up in India as well. I spent most summers. Um, I just saw that consumption was very different. First of all, we didn't have a trash can in every room in my house. I had to like really find the trash can because we didn't throw out much. Mm -hmm. We didn't have that much packaging. The milkman came to our house and poured milk in, in our tubs. If I went shopping for food, if I didn't bring a bag, I had to like carry the food in my, you know, had a bag where they wrapped it in newspaper and string and I had to like carry a bunch of packages of of newspaper and so um you know very different
0: right right wow and um the black culture uh like the yogurt thing for us it's these cookie tins so it's like these metal cookie tins and it's like, what do you think is inside of it? And we all know it's not cookies. It's usually like a sewing kit or just like something, something completely random. So I could totally relate to that. <laughs> but that's awesome. So you mentioned that, you know, like you're zero waste. So you know, growing up and whatnot. So what is the difference between like how zero waste is defined now and then how, you know, maybe it was defined when you were growing up or, you know, within. So zero waste, I I guess a technical
1: definition that folks talk about in the industry is the reduction of 90% of what you generate, what waste you generate from landfill or incineration. So if you on a daily basis generated 10 pounds of stuff that you might put into a bin Nine pounds of that you would um, not put into the bin that goes to a landfill or to the incinerator. It might be composted. It might be recycled. You might reuse it, repair it, donate it, give it to someone else, keep using it. Um, I would have to say I didn't really know what the term zero waste until maybe five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But that, as I said, is how I lived my life in terms of not creating that much waste. Um, I just think it was... And maybe in the immigrant community was like, don't spend money you don't need to spend. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. So if you buy food, eat all your food. Um, If you bought something, use it until it can't possibly be used anymore. And if you can't use it, find someone who can use it. Don't just throw it away.
0: Yeah. So you said 90% of things should, should not be thrown away. So
1: landfill or incineration, it could be recycled. It could be composted. Right. But, um, but not sent to a landfill or an incinerator.
0: Right. Okay. That makes sense because, you know, seeing people, you know, like these top influencers who are like, Oh, I fit all my trash from the last five years into this one Mason jar, you know? And so it's like, is that really realistic? But, you know, when you say that it's more of a 10% thing rather than 0%, that makes it, you know, more attainable, you know?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And also, I would just say that um, when you see those jars, that might feel really unattainable, right? So I just think you got to do what you got to do, um i know also when people say oh i live totally plastic free yeah but then you're going out and buying these glass jars and all these other things to be plastic free Mm -hmm. i'm just using the big tub of yogurt (laughs) container that i've had for two years right i'm like reusing it over and over again that's Mm -hmm. also a way of being mindful and being zero waste yes
0: yes exactly exactly so let's talk more about your business think zero why, what is it and why did you start it?
1: Yeah, um, so my business partner and I, we met um, because we live in the same neighborhood and we joined a local moms group and we both cloth diapered our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we shared our cloth diapers because our kids were kind of staggering and she had posted, anyone else cloth diapering? Because you need a little bit of a support network to figure out what it is that you're doing. And so we met and we realized that we had similar, um, you know, lifestyles in terms of trying to reduce, reuse, repair, you know, all of that. And we um, decided to take our interest and our knowledge that we had from doing it on an individual basis to develop a company that worked with companies as well as individuals to also lead less impactful, I guess, less waste generating lives. Um, On the business side, we work with a variety of companies such as property owners, um, building owners, property managers, and companies that have sustainability goals um, to reduce their waste. And we do that through goal setting. We do waste audits. I mean, you know, when I talk to some people, I always say, I'm the trash nerd because I open up trash bags on the loading dock of commercial buildings and I sort and separate with my team of letting you know, hey did you recycle correctly or were there missed opportunities to recycle? Or did you know you have so much food waste that you could compost or have a food donation program? You know, you get the data by opening those bags that, you know, when people close them up, they're like, it went away, it went away. I don't know anything Mm -hmm. about it. So we, and then we do goal setting and we do a lot of work in the buildings because I'm sure you know, this is all about a behavior change, right? It's like rethinking your relationship with stuff. One, do you need it? how can you keep using it? Um, you know, how, will you recycle it? If you recycle it correctly, you know, will you compost? If you're composting in a building, how do you do it correctly and effectively with 5,000 people in the building? Mm -hmm. So we do that on the, um, on the business front and we're based out of New York city, but we work, um, you know, across the country. We also have an office in Colorado. So we kind of got the two coasts. Um, and then we also work with individuals. So we have, um, we have a lot of knowledge because between the two of us and we have a team, we have years of doing this and figuring it out and what works and what doesn't work. And so we have, um, we have a starter kit you know, that people can use to do it themselves. And it helps them think about goal setting. How do you do a waste audit? How do you set goals? How do you measure your progress? Gives you tips and tricks. And people like that. We've had some positive responses to that because people do it at their own pace and at their own time. Mm -hmm. We've also had some people who just said, we'd rather have some intensive handholding. And what we've actually discovered from this is not just about reducing your waste. It's really a way for people to think, um, how do you leave a more mindful life, if that makes sense? We've found that actually been a very cathartic type of an experience in terms of just how do you leave a more mindful, less cluttered, cleaner lifestyle? And, And you do take a moment, right? You take a moment of like, what do I do with this? Do I need it? Right. So those are the two ways, like we work with uh, a predominantly part of our business is working with companies because um, I think waste reduction and sustainability is a really hot topic at the moment. And we started our company, I think at the right time.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And then slowly people have also been asking us on the individual level front.
0: Yeah. Wow. So um, I'm guessing businesses come to you because, you know, maybe they have a goal to achieve about reducing their, you know, carbon impact or something. Yeah.
1: And, like, a lot of cities now also have zero-waste goals. Like, New York City has a zero-waste goal. Many cities have zero-waste goals. And many cities have rules and regulations that companies need to comply with.
0: Yeah. So they do
1: come to us about the compliance
0: front. And then we push them to go further. I see. I see. So are there, um, like, a specific type of companies that come to you? Do you see, like, different trends in the different industries?
1: Um, so because – We started out in New York City, which is a lot of dense commercial buildings. Mm -hmm. We have lots of property owners and property managers who work with us because they have sustainability goals and their tenants Mm
0: -hmm. have sustainability
1: goals. And their tenants want to be in buildings that can help them meet their sustainability goals. You know, because you could have a big financial services, might not have a whole building, but they might have half of the building, right? Right. We work with them, so we work with lots of uh, yeah, lots of different financial services, consumer products, media. A lot, a lot of the large Fortune 100, Fortune you know 500 companies, all are starting to have goals,
0: and they oh, have to report and publish them. Right. Wow. So do you typically work with companies, you know, like on a monthly basis or do you just kind of like set them up and then they're on their own?
1: (laughs) So really differently. So we have we have um, some major like global clients who are retainer businesses. So we work with them on a yearly basis. So we're we have ambitious goals for them and they take time to do. So we work with them, work with each of the buildings. We work with the tenants in those buildings. Because behavior change doesn't happen like this, right? It takes a long time. So there's a lot of process changes, but a fair amount of behavior change. And then in some cases, we do have some very specific projects. Like uh, recently, I worked with a large media company on doing a single-use plastic audit, right? They just wanted to figure out how much single-use plastic do we use and what are some ways that we can switch that up if we want to. And if we do, are we making better environmental choices or not? Mm. So um, um, we do that, or we've done, um, we work with some companies who are building new buildings to design for waste. So think about, um, if you looked at a residential building, apartment buildings, they don't have enough space in the on the floor refuse rooms to have all the different bins. So you have to kind of think about how do you design that? Or if you want to compost, how do you set up the building to collect composting? Do you have a cold room in your loading dock to hold the food waste? Or okay. you know, in a commercial building, if you want people to do reusables, do you have dishwashers on all of the floors? Mm-hmm. and lots? Or if you have reusables in the cafeteria, do you have a collection point on each floor to take back the reusables? So lots of questions like that, like, what are the what are the um, programs or strategies you're going to implement? And then does the building design support it? That's become like a new area for us to focus on. Very interesting. Started to learn how to use blueprints and work with architects and, you know, wow. like design a building to be healthy, to be sustainable.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. This is like literally the future. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Let's take a quick break for today's podcast sponsor, Wren. Wren is a website where you calculate your carbon footprint, then offset it by funding climate-positive projects. By answering a few questions about your lifestyle on Wren, you can find out your carbon footprint and how you can reduce it. Of course, no one can reduce their carbon footprint to zero, but we're all doing our best. When I calculated my carbon footprint with Wren, it came up to 16.9 tons of carbon dioxide, which is a little less than average for the typical American. With Wren, you're able to sign up to make a monthly contribution to offset your carbon footprint by investing in projects you support. One of the projects that I think is really cool is providing clean burning fuel and cook stoves for refugees in Uganda. This prevents deforestation, reduces cooking emissions, and lowers the risk of lung damage. REN will keep you updated on how each dollar is spent and who the project is helping. It will take a lot to end the climate crisis, but you can start helping today by learning more on Wren.co. Thanks again, REN, for sponsoring this episode. Let's say that there's a company who's wanting to, you know, kind of reduce their, you know, their carbon footprint, what are some of the first things that you would tell them to look at? Mm -hmm. Well, I
1: always say start with the basics, right? Don't try to run a marathon if you don't even have recycling bins on your floor, right? So the first thing we do is make sure that they're set up with the basic basic infrastructure. Do you have enough recycle bins? Do you have very clear signage that tells you what goes in that bin? Right? a lot of times people say i don't know is this recyclable is this not recyclable and so we go through the building we figure out what are the common materials that come through that building and mm-hmm. we try to create custom signage for that um we try to make sure there's enough bins so that people are not i mean i have been on floors where there's one recycle bin and 50 trash cans so oh, no. is anyone really going to recycle no right not if you got can't find the recycle bin um, so we do, you know, we, so we do that basic, like just basic training, make sure you have bins, make sure you have signage. And then we, um, work with them to figure out what are some of the uh, 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 other stuff they should be doing. We're really big fans of composting and food donation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The 35% of the material waste stream is food. Yeah. And um, if you go into a landfill, 35% of what's thrown away is food. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, the strategies you would have at home are different than the strategies you would have in an office, but, uh, you know, it's hard to tell someone take home that half eaten banana with you, even if it's on <laughs> it, right? Like right. I <laughs> tell my kid put it in the refrigerator and you have to eat it later, or I'll put it in the smoothie, but you can't do that in an office. Right. So we, um, focus on composting. We focus on, um, food donations. So if you know you're going to be having a party or catering, can you plan ahead for food donation can you plan ahead and order less right people order too much Mm -hmm. so how do you think about ordering less and just enough you know so Mm -hmm. um how do you encourage people to take food home afterwards that it doesn't look like oh why are they taking food home like normalizing stuff like that now we, we focus a lot on food and then Then we talk about shifting to reusables, obviously, you know, coffee cups, water bottles. Those are like low hanging fruit, easy ways to get people to just throw less things in the bin. But the strategies come about based on the culture of your office. Like what are you guys throwing away? You know, there are some companies that cater breakfast, lunch and dinner. So I really focus on food and the packaging. Other places don't do that. So we focus on other stuff.
0: I see. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So if it's, you know, more of an office building and, you know, maybe they have a lot of paper and cardboard, you help them, you know, figure out how to recycle that better. Yeah. What about if someone is, you know, at home and, you know, they're wanting to reduce their waste there, what are some of the first things you tell them to do?
1: So again, I do talk about a lot about food. So in in my house, we always have a shop the fridge day which mm. is everyone has to basically find something in the refrigerator to eat right because like there's that. leftovers or there's three pieces of lettuce or one <laughs> stupid celery stalk you know what i mean like you right. basically, we make lots of salads with a lot of the leftover stuff and we have lots of different dressings that we make and croutons and try to make it appetizing eat all the leftovers because there might be just one, I'm Indian, so there might be like one roti and one little bit of, you know, veggie curry. So just eat, someone eats that up. So it may be that you're eating salad, I'm eating some Indian food, you know, my daughter is eating like a, a sandwich from yesterday, you know, we're just trying to use stuff. Mm-hmm. So we do that a lot. Um We have a composting, we compost in my house. And I take it over to the local food drop off place in my neighborhood once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. And then um, we also try to eat as much as possible at home, you know, yeah. in, in terms of like food, uh, coffee and tea and stuff. And, and going back to that earlier point about this is like a, making your life less hectic. Since I don't run out to get a coffee and I used to find that I was running to get a coffee and then you're going somewhere. The coffee ends up being cold. I don't drink half of it. Mm-hmm. I was running a place. I spilled it. You know, I, I live in New York City. Well, now I prefer tea, so I drink a cup of tea at my house, like, for 15 minutes, and I just kind of relax. I might watch some TV, I might listen to to some music, or I might, you know, quickly read something on my phone, or just sit there in the Mm -hmm. sun, and it's like a 15 minutes of zen. So, like, I'm not creating trash, and you know how people talk about give self-care 15 minutes to yourself in the morning well? I, you know, check, check, two things at once. very uh-huh. So, um, and then the third thing is I manage our local buy nothing group. Have you heard of buy nothing?
0: Oh yeah. I'm a member of my local one too.
1: I started the one in my neighborhood, um, nice. five years ago, like crickets. There was no one on there. I kept like posting and trying to invite Aww. my friends, but now I have over a thousand people in the one in my neighborhood and awesome. all of Manhattan is covered. And Um, I give things away and I take things. So if I I went to a costume party recently, I didn't need to buy something. I posted on buy nothing. I borrowed someone's costume and I'm returning that
0: costume. Yes. You
1: know, so just it's those little ways. Or if I'm done with something, like I remember someone came over and they brought a cheesecake and we only ate a quarter of it. Mm -hmm. We didn't eat out of the cake. We sliced it. I posted right. I don't Buy Nothing. People know who I am, right, because now we're a community. Yeah. Someone came by and took the rest of the cake, and their kids loved it, and they were very happy, and I didn't throw it away.
0: Wow, that's awesome. I haven't seen food on my local no, – I mean, you know, not like, like that. A
1: lot of food. Yeah. If people are going away for the weekend. Wow. Like so I got a bag of spinach, or I bought maple syrup that my kids didn't like and was really expensive, and so I posted yeah. it. The lady around the corner from me, who I we always share, she goes, "I'll yeah. take it," and I said, "Okay, I'm I'm actually running by your apartment. I'll drop it off in the lobby. Pick it up."
0: Wow, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, no. yeah. Those those groups are <laughs> yeah. so good for you know just getting rid of little things that it's like, like, what yeah. am I going to do? Take this to the goodwill? Like, no one's going to want this. They don't even know what it is, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, and,
1: you know, goodwill and all them, they're overwhelmed. Most people. Yeah. People, and I'll just say this, people like to donate stuff, but Uh people don't always buy.
0: Right, exactly.
1: So think about, I I was at this donate conference a few years ago with the Salvation Army, and the Salvation Army VP of Operations for New York City or Long Island was there, and he said... I have more sofas than I know what to do with. And I was like, you're right because people donate sofas, but no one is buying a secondhand. I'm not saying no one.
0: Yeah. Not many. Especially now
1: with this direct to consumer, you can buy a sofa for $3. I mean, I don't know, but you know, I see the Facebook ads and I just, I would encourage everyone who's listening, find a way to buy some of your stuff. Secondhand. Like if you, Mm -hmm. if you need a binder, I know no one uses a binder anymore, but you could go to Goodwill and buy thousands of binders because there are more binders than they know what to do with. I went to Goodwill recently and I thought it was interesting to see the evolution of our technology on coffee Mm -hmm. technology. So remember I, when I first started working, we had those Bunsen burners type, you know, you make a pot of coffee and you pour cups. Then it's moved to the cure. Then it was like Flavia, and then Keurig, and then Nespresso, and now it's a pour over. So on the top of the Goodwill, there was, you know, the the Bunsen burners, but now the Keurigs and the Nespressos are up there, right? Because people are constantly moving on to the next technology. Right. If you need a coffee thing, go to Goodwill.
0: If you need –
1: if you want to make a to-go bag, you know, like to have um, a fork, a knife, a spoon, maybe some containers – Go to Goodwill, Mm -hmm. make your bag. Don't buy the nice bamboo. So I love all the companies that are making it. They look very beautiful. You can go to Goodwill, find a little bag. You can find some mismatching or matching forks and knives. You could even find a few Tupperware containers. So buy secondhand. I I feel like that's my mantra of the moment. Buy
0: secondhand. Yes, yes, seriously, seriously. Yeah, there's so many things that you can get secondhand that are in really good condition, you know? And yeah. of course, it's so much cheaper. <laughs> one, one last thing I wanted to talk to you about, just kind of going back to our conversation earlier, was about the uh, trash audit. Can you tell us more about that and how maybe someone could do a trash audit at home? Yeah. Um, so don't be scared of throwing your hands in the trash. If it's, it's, if
1: it's your own, at least you know what's in it. Um, obviously, when I'm doing commercial, we have insurance. We use Kevlar gloves and nitrile gloves and we don't audit bathroom waste, right? Like there's like, there's some parameters around what we do. And um, we also look into bags before we stick our hands into bags. That's why we do a lot of clear bags as well. Um, But what I would suggest you do is do a room, bring all your bins together. Maybe you have one only in the kitchen. Maybe you have a few. Don't forget your bathroom bin. Label them. Um, then if you have an area, maybe you do it if you're lucky and have a garage or a driveway, unlike in New York city, you, you know, you can take it out there and mark out by tape or a tarp, right. And put in first you do, say you do the kitchen and you might say, I'm doing the trash bin in the kitchen and I'm going to put it into piles when the piles would be truly can't should go to landfill. Like it's not recyclable. It's not compostable. It's not reusable, repairable, et cetera. So you would make all of those categories, right? So trash, recycle, compost, donation, repairable, et cetera. And then you just take everything out of that bin and you put it in those different um, categories. Take a picture so you know what came out of that bin, right? Like write, write a label. Mm. This is my kitchen garbage. Then you would do take a picture so you then would know you might learn that I don't recycle correctly, right? I have a lot of soda cans in my trash or I have a lot of styrofoam in my recycle or holy crap, I throw away a lot of food, I should be composting or, you know, I threw away something that I could have put on my buy nothing group or I could have just repaired it or something, mm-hmm. right? Like you mm-hmm. kind of figure that out. And that's why I say take pictures so you can go back and look at it. Then you do the recycle, you know, then you do the recycle um Bin And you do the same thing for my kitchen recycle. Then I often say, do the bathroom one, because the bathroom one is there's usually only one bin and people throw everything into it. Like how often do you, if you have um, soap and a cardboard, do you take the cardboard out to the recycle? Probably not. You're just throwing it into the thing.
0: Mm-hmm. And in
1: case of the bathroom and also in the, sorry, in anything after you look at your categorization, you then also think, well, how can I eliminate So, for example, I've done a lot in my bathroom as I've explored. You know, I don't use those fancy soaps anymore that come out of tubes and stuff. I just Mm -hmm. use a bar. Right. Bars come in cardboard boxes that are more easily recyclable and it's not plastic. Yeah. Um, And then I also then realized I can do shampoo bars and conditioner bars, lotion bars, or, you know, you can buy in bulk. You just realize, like, oh... I to, and then think about that. You're just buying less and you're probably your yeah. bathroom shower area is less cluttered because you have just less stuff. Right. Right. Maybe you're using a lot of disposable razors and you think, huh, maybe I want to go to a safety razor or those replaceable razors. Or maybe I just want to wax and that's just like once every two months and, you know, kind of do the trade-off between buying razors and going to get wax or use sugar mm-hmm. wax which is not doesn't have a strip you know or in the kitchen you might be like oh I have a lot of ziploc so what do I do okay well don't use ziploc right maybe I get a I have Tupperware I went to my parents house and we have a lot of stainless steel containers from 1975 that's what my <laughs> kids take their snacks and you know I didn't Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't go out and buy new, beautiful, reusable snack containers. Right. My, house. my mom's not using it anymore. So I just took it.
0: You can yeah. also
1: find that stuff at Goodwill or I'll buy mm-hmm. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you do stuff like that. You basically, once you take pictures of it, I like to take pictures because then you can look back and you remind yourself, then you could do another audit in six months and then compare the pictures and say, Oh, okay. Yeah. How's it look? Do I have more more stuff in the trash? More stuff in the recycle? More stuff in the you know? Did I get better at doing it? And then take notes, take pictures, take notes. Six months later, do it again. Take pictures, take notes. And every time, just figure out one or two things that you want to do differently. Oh, I'm going to do shop the fridge, Mm
0: -hmm. or I'm
1: going to find a local compost program. You know, or I'm going to put my food on buy nothing or make friends with my upstairs neighbor. Like, for Mm -hmm. example, I recently made cookie dough. My kids wanted to make holiday cookies. We made four different batches, but there's no way two kids are gonna eat four different batches of cookies. So we just, my college roommate came over, so she took home a third. But again, she is one two-year-old. She's not looking. I still had half a batch of each type. I Mm -hmm. put it on by nothing. Four different families came over. Wow. And they took it and they went home and, you know, they, the sugar cookie people enjoyed just rolling and cutting and, you know what I mean? Everyone did something different with the cookies, so yeah.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I love the idea of um, taking pictures of your trash audit so that you can compare later and then just, you know, kind of reference back and see what you need to work on. Because, you know, you can't tackle everything at once. It's so overwhelming. So it's good to, you know, do a little, little by little, and then, you know, just see, see how you're doing. That's awesome. Great tips. So it's been so amazing talking to you, Ishma. My final question is, what does being a sustainable brown girl mean to you?
1: Um, Well, I guess it means um, my journey may not look like the beautiful Instagram journeys that you see, um, but it's... I think it has a little bit of my Indian culture in it, right, in terms of really focus on reusing and repairing, finding a perfect home for the things that I have in my house instead of tossing it, Um, and, you know, sharing. I make my own yogurt. You know, like we make things. We make food. We make condiments. So we try to do all of that. Um, And it's just part of, you know, being connected to myself and my family and taking time to – be instead of going out buying all the time you know we have fun with it we have fun with sewing our socks like my kids now at eight and ten it's not perfect but now they've learned a skill you know <laughs> right, right. yeah that's what it means to me just kind of continuing on in the traditions of what my parents and my aunts and uncles and grandparents have taught me
0: yes i love it i love it thank you so much for joining us let everyone know where they can find you online I'm at
1: www.thinkzerollc.com. and my Instagram handles are at think zero LLC, at think zero home, which is our where we do a lot more tips for consumers. And I actually recently launched at Ditch the Waste. So it's a small my personal ditching the waste Instagram. Um,
0: and I kind of share my journey as well. Yes. That's amazing. So please go follow Ushma and support everything she's doing. I love that you were helping so many homes and businesses with, you know, reducing their waste. That's, it's amazing. So thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me.
1: I really enjoyed it.
0: If you want to keep the conversation going, follow us at Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram and Facebook. Check out the website at SustainableBrownGirl.com and send any questions, comments, or topic ideas to podcast at SustainableBrownGirl.com. Be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about your favorite episode. Donate to Patreon if you can, and be sure to watch the full video interview on YouTube. Until next time, let's continue to make better choices for the health of our bodies and the planet. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to Wren for sponsoring this episode. Learn more on Wren.co or click the link in the show notes.